Leviticus chapter 21, verses 16 through 21. And I want to just give you, a, 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 <laughs> this is not the typical passage that you would hear on a Sunday morning. In fact, when you start hearing it, you'll be like, oh, oh gosh. Oh, wow. But it's the message and the text that God gave me, and I believe that God's going to speak through it today. We read this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and everyone says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, No man of your descendants in succeeding generations, in other words, from here on out, who has any defect may approach to offer the bread of his God. For any man who has a defect shall not approach a man a man like that is blind or lame, who has a marred face or a limb too long, a man that has a broken foot or a broken hand, or is hunchback or dwarf, or a man who has a defect in his eye or eczema or scab, or is a eunuch. No man of the descendants of Aaron, the priest, who has a defect, shall come near to offer the offerings made by fire to the Lord. I want to pray. Father, we thank you. God, this may not make sense for all of us at this moment, but it's going to make sense by the end of this message. God, that recognizing that you're not a God of many restrictions, but you're a God of access by the way of grace through your son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, God, I present this time and I present myself that I may be the vessel that you pour yourself into so that others may receive of your word, whether it's a follower of Jesus or a friend or simply that's just looking to see what this is all about that everyone may leave here much better than how they came in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. Can you give a praise break as you go down to your seat? Amen. All right. If it's the first time you being here with us and it's the first time you're hearing me, I just want to let you know I am Pentecostal, which means is that I am teaching but with a much louder voice. <laughs> and I don't mind if you holler back and you say, come on, Pastor Manny, that's good because it just lets me know that the food that was prepared by the Holy Spirit is edifying you. Amen. We also want to send greetings to our pastors, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Maria, that they're probably watching online right now. And uh, we just want to say that we miss you and we can't wait for you to get back this week. Uh, Pastor Maria's sisters getting, just got married yesterday. And so they were out there and it's uh, just been a blessing for them. But uh, if we could just send our, our, our hellos to our pastors just by, by a praise break to Jesus. And they can hear that right now and just let them know that we miss them. Can't wait to see them. By the way, next week we're kicking off a brand new series called Developing Vision. And you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, for all the friends that are here, we're kicking it off just for you. But all of our church members, we're kicking it off for you as well. And we're not going to wait till January to start thinking about vision for 2022. We're going to start developing vision right now. Uh, as we go forward. Amen. So don't miss that. That kicks off next week with Pastor Kevin kicking that thing off. Today I have the privilege to be able to finish off the series, Discovering Christ. And I don't know about you, but I've been truly blessed by this series. Have many of you been blessed by Discovering Christ, DC? Right? It's been a full summer of discipleship. It's been a full summer of us just getting to know who Jesus is through different ways, whether it's through knowing Jesus as a healer, knowing Jesus as a, re as a redeemer, knowing Jesus as a friend, knowing Jesus in so many ways. And today I get a chance to close this th thing out talking about Jesus. He gives grace to the rejected. Jesus gives grace to the rejected. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my own life where I have experienced rejection. Have you ever experienced rejection? 
right? Whether it's been from a baseball team or from a soccer team, whether it's been from a, a group of friends in the cafeteria at high school, whether it's been a job you applied for and never heard anything back from, whether it's a girlfriend that you really liked and she says she didn't like you, or a boyfriend, uh, we've all experienced rejection in one way or another. As a kid uh, growing up in Brooklyn, uh, my parents would oftentimes take me to a place called Coney Island. And Coney Island had this one ride that I always wanted to ride called uh, the Cyclone. The Cyclone. And uh, it was a wood, a wood roller coaster. And one day we went with all of our friends from church. And I was excited. I was eight years old. And I was excited because this was going to be my first time in a roller coaster. And uh, when we got there, uh, all of my friends were excited. And I was excited. And, um, and we got up to the front of the gate to get into the Cyclone. I had my ticket. We had all saved up our money to be able to go on this ride and go into Coney Island. And to my surprise, my friends started going in and they were, they, were, they were checking everyone for a height restriction, for a height requirement. And so my first friend David went in, my other friend Tito went in, uh, my other friend John went in, and I was the last one to go in. And when I went to go in, they said, uh, sorry. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, um, you don't meet the height requirement. And all my friends walked in and they got, I saw them going up the line and I was watching them as they were getting, getting ready to get on the ride and I felt rejected because of a height restriction. I felt like I wasn't like them because puberty had not hit me yet. <laughs> and I was like, God, why did you hold me back and you push them forward? <laughs> and, and at that moment I was just, I felt bad. I felt like I wasn't enough. So they went on the ride and I went to get a Nathan's hot dog and it was all worth it. <laughs> but as I ate my Nathan's hot dog, I was a little bitter watching them just scream on that roller coaster. Have you ever been there where you see other people get access but you don't get access? But you're eating that thing and you're like, I am so happy for you. Yay. <laughs> Rejection doesn't feel good. When we look at the Bible and we look at the book of Leviticus, Leviticus is a, a book written for the Levites. It's a book about rules and regulations. It's a book that's talking about all the, all the guardrails that the people had to follow and specifically a tribe that were the ones that were to officiate in the temple, in the tabernacle. And a lot of these rules had to do with not only appearance, it had to do with posture, it had to do with how they would worship. And, what they would do at a certain time. But in the passage in which we just read, this passage specifically is talking about the requirements to make sure that nobody had a disability. That, that nobody uh, uh, could go in there blind, that nobody can go in there lame, that nobody can go in there with even any kind of eczema, rash. I personally struggle with that. Um, that nobody could deal with any kind of skin condition. Uh, that you couldn't be dwarfed, you couldn't be a small person. All these specific restrictions to go into the presence of God. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine this week as I was getting ready. He um, knows very well about roller coasters. I was telling him about my experience at the Cyclone. He knows a lot about roller coasters. And he told me that in Cedar Rapids, there's one roller coaster. And I, I was able to pull up some information on it. And I want to share it with you. Uh, because this roller coaster in Cedar Rapids is known as the Thrill Dragster. The Thrill Dragster. Uh, this is uh, the world's tallest circuit roller coaster. The world's, uh, uh, not only the tallest, but it also goes uh, over 120 uh, miles an hour. 
and it goes up 420 feet up in the air. Within three seconds, you're already at 100 miles an hour. And I was, I was in awe when I heard that, but and then I started reading into the safety restrictions and it said, due to the nature of the restraint, the ride may not accommodate guests who are smaller, or listen to this, larger, so you have to be 52 inches tall and no more than 70 inches tall. Guests must have a minimum of three functioning extremities. <laughs> One functioning arm and two functioning legs. Guests with a cervical collar, neck brace, broken collarbone, full arm cast, braced arm cast, a full leg cast are not permitted to the ride. Guests with prosthesis must consult with guest services. Not our guest services, but guest services there at the park. Which our guest services is just as good as any guest services at any theme park. Amen. <laughs> um, when I read this, I thought, and I started, my friend said something. He said, he said, but, but Pastor Manny noticed these safety restrictions is not because the ride is unsafe. These safety restrictions is to keep the people that would ride it safe. And that got me to thinking that the restrictions that God put on the Levites wasn't because God is an unsafe God or a God that discriminates against people. It was a restriction to keep his own people safe. Because the glory of God was so holy that it required every extremity, every body part to function in its place in order to handle the presence of God. Now, years later, we moved to Orlando around 1990. I was a little older, and I remember going to Magic Kingdom, and my dad and I were walking together. My dad knew the trauma I passed in, in Coney Island, and he said, this time, you know, he's a Puerto Rican guy with a real strong accent. He said, this time... If you notice you don't have the height re requirement, tippy-toe. <laughs> tippy-toe your way all the way up. Tippy-toe, tippy-toe. <laughs> so I started like from very far, from like fantasy land. I'm tippy-toeing all the way up to, all the way up to Tomorrowland, walking, <laughs> walking up to Space Mountain, only to find out that I had gruesome inches. And now I met the height requirement. And let me tell you, the feeling I had when I met the height requirement, I walked up to that thing and all of a sudden my chest kind of bowed up and I started walking and I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got the confidence. Now I met the height requirement. I grew what I needed to grow. And how many can tell, you, how many can tell me today that when you have a confidence in Christ, when you have a confidence in what God has done for you, you can walk with your head up high knowing that what you are is not because of you. What you are is because of what he's done in your life. Come on, somebody. It does feel good. But I want to talk to you about three things in which Jesus worked with in order for us to have what we have. And the number one thing is that Jesus worked with was requirements. See, our qualification comes from Christ. Our qualification doesn't come by what we do. Our qualification doesn't come by the degrees that we get. Our qualification doesn't come by the experience that we have. Our quali qualification comes from Jesus himself. And that gives me an assurance to know that it doesn't matter how bad I am, how good I am, how, how much lack I think I have. At the end, it's about the grace that Jesus has given to me. Amen? And the law required priests to have no defects. The law required people to live up to something that was so difficult for humanity to be able to 
live up to. And if you didn't know this, the law was simply a shadow of what would come through the new covenant of grace. God showing his people that there was no way you could ever reach me. There's no way you will ever fill the full requirement of what I'm looking for. And that's why I got to send my perfect son to fulfill it. Jesus filled the requirement so that we wouldn't have to. But if we're not careful, we could follow rules and make the rules so regimented, so strong that we lose our relationship. And rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Talk to any child that all they hear is rules, 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 but there's no relationship in what's going on. Within time, there will be rebellion. And that's why Jesus didn't come to give us religion. Religion is man's way to try to get to heaven. Jesus came to give us relationship, which is God coming down to humanity to meet us right where we are. And we can have that today. And Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6 in the New Living Translation. He says this. I love this. You may want to highlight this. It says, we are confident in, of, all, of all of this because of the great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written of law, but written of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Isn't that powerful? We can receive that today. And not only can we receive it, we can take a deep breath. Everybody just take a deep breath and just sigh. Everybody go, <sighs> You know why that gets me so excited? Because we can be confident in not being enough. We can be confident in knowing that what we do is still not enough. But it doesn't have to be enough. It doesn't have to be enough because our qualification doesn't come from us. Our qualification comes from Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, which gave himself for every single one of us. So when you see yourself and you start just casting yourself down, be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm weak. I'm so weak that his grace is sufficient for me and helps me when I don't even know how to do what I'm doing. I'm not here because of my ability. I'm here by the grace of God. Come on, somebody, celebrate Jesus if you believe it here today. We could be confident in Christ, confident in what he did, and walk knowing that he has everything under control. So not only requirements, not only did he fulfill the requirements, Jesus also became our redemption. He became our access. Somebody say access. Because our access comes from Christ. See, although I was able to grow physically into the height requirement to get into that one ride, we will never meet the height requirement in order to be acceptable by the Father. You see, we have to put ourselves in Christ. And if we put ourselves in Christ, then it is through him that he gives us access to his presence. That's why we worship. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we have this time where we talk with God through prayer. Because through that, we grow closer in our relationship with Jesus. We become more like him. We, we get more of his attributes. We get more of his character in our lives, regardless of where we came from, regardless of our personalities. We can all grow into the character of Jesus. 
He doesn't change your personality, but he wants to work with your character. He wants to work with who we are because if he saved us just to save us, he would have, he would have beamed us up and taken us right to him. But he saved us so that we could be a witness to those that don't know who he is. And the best way that we could be a witness is to walk like him, is to talk like him, is to worship like him, is to be him for everyone that needs him everywhere we go. So he gives us access. I was thinking about this. I wonder how many priests were rejected because of a defect. Throughout the hundreds of years, I wonder how many were not able to officiate. How many, how many stepped into the high priest's office and the high priest in his office just said, I'm sorry, but because you have a lazy eye, you can't go in. I'm sorry, but because you have a rash or skin condition, you can't go in. And this, this person may have, since very little, just thought and dreamed of one day going into the holies of holies, into this place where the presence of God was. And because of a defect, they were rejected. But I think about where we are now, that it's not a tribe in which goes in our favor. It's not a priest that goes in our favor. But we all, because the veil has been torn, have access into the presence of God, not because of our ability, because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, because he became our high priest, because he became our savior, and because he became our sacrifice, all in one on the cross of Calvary. He gave us access at that very moment. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 tells us this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're feeling. He went through it as well. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace, listen to this, with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The writer of Hebrews at this moment is letting us know we could walk with confidence because he walked, with, he walked through what we'd walk through. So when you're going through something, and maybe you're going through something in this season, you could just look at God and talk to Jesus and say, I'm going through this, and you can expect this response. I feel you. I got you. I'm with you. I know what you're going through. I feel what you're going through. But walk with me. I want to show you something. I want you to walk with a confidence knowing that God's got you. And it doesn't have to be like my dad saying tippy-toe. In other words, cheat your way in. You could walk with me and you have straight access in. Not because of your ability. You have straight access in because of what I have done for you. Amen? Does that help anybody today? I love that because on the cross of Calvary, many of us either wear it on our necks or have it in front of our dining table or see it painted somewhere. We see this Christ that is crucified, but we, sometimes we could just make it this masterpiece. Look how beautiful that is. Not realizing what happened at that moment. At that moment, he became our high priest. At that moment, he became the sacrifice. And at that moment, he became the savior of our redemption. Back then... The person had to qualify. It was one person. Then there was an animal that had to be sacrificed. 
And then there had to be uh, an incense that went up in which God would smell and then God would bring down his grace and God would forgive the people. Well, Jesus consolidated all of it and became the sacrifice, the priest, and the Savior. All in one, all in one day. He died one day, and three days later, he resurrected to give you and I life. Come on, somebody. You can celebrate the resurrected Jesus right now, right here, at this very moment. Amen. That's it. Food is ready. I can finish right here. I literally can finish right here. Because those two are just enough. The fact that he fulfilled the requirement and the fact that he is our redemption. He paid the price. But I want to share with you one more. And it's that Jesus, Jesus gave me wholeness. My wholeness, my restoration comes from Christ. Your restoration comes from Jesus Christ. See, he didn't just come for, to fulfill the requirement. He didn't just come to redeem you of the situation you're in. He also came to restore his people. And you know what restoration is? I have a friend in this house that he knows how to restore classic cars. His name is Bob Alford. You may know who he is. He has a nice, gray, beautiful beard. He's sitting in the back somewhere. I see him right there with his purple shirt. Bob is an expert at restoration. He can take an old beat-up car and bring full restoration to it. And what he will tell you is this. It is not a full restoration until it has every original part. You can't change the wheels on it. It has to have factory wheels. You can't change the style of tires. It has the same, have the same style of tires. You got to have the original code of the paint job. Everything has to be original for it to be a full restoration. You see, God is a restorer. And he wants you to have every original part you were initially supposed to have. So God doesn't just want, to, want you to know that he fulfills a requirement. God doesn't just want you to know that he gives you access. God also wants you to know that you can have everything that the devil stole from you right back. Right back. And some of the things that I mentioned earlier in Leviticus, some of us struggle with some of those things. I mentioned blindness, I mentioned some kind of eczema, I mentioned being lame, I mentioned all these things. But what if Jesus, through the Gospels, as he was making miracles and healings, what if he was redeeming and restoring what the law said people could not be? What if every healing was specific because he was trying to now satisfy the law? What if blindness wasn't just a random person being, hot, being, being healed from blindness? What if he was trying to redeem what Leviticus 21 said? What if, what if John 9, where a man was blind from birth and the disciples were there and, and the Pharisees were there and they were all like, well, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, who sinned? Who sinned? Who sinned? Him or his parents? Who sinned? And Jesus said, neither of them sin. This has happened so that the Father may be glorified. Huh. See, see, Jesus didn't just want to heal that person from their sight. Jesus wanted to reveal to the people that although they can see, they have no vision, that the Messiah is right in front of them. And God today doesn't just want to heal you from your physical sight. God wants to give you vision for the future, vision for your family, vision for your business, vision for what God has set in front of you. But you're going to have to accept what he's about to do. In John 5, there's a lame man. 
He was close to the pool of Bethesda. And being at the pool of Bethesda, this guy had been there for 38 years. I'm just a three or four years older than this guy. From the time he was there, 38 years, that's a lifetime, 38 years. And Jesus goes up to him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? He says, well, what, ha what ha happened was that every time somebody comes up and he, they get in front of me in the line and I can't, but what do you want me to do for you? What ha happened was that Johnny was coming from there and then he wanted to go get up in front of the pool and he got in front of me. and be, No, but what do you want me to do for you? Well, what ha happened, what do you, I want to be healed. He said, get up and walk. What is Jesus showing us? That he wants to restore every excuse you've given of procrastination, of holding back from what God really wants to do in your life. You say you've been there for five years. You said you're dealing this with three years. God said, but God says, what do you want me to do with it right now? See, the story is not just about a healing. The story is about a person. The story is about a people. 38 years. And they were dealing with centuries waiting for a Messiah, and the Messiah was right in front of them. What are you waiting for? The job's not going to come to you. you got to go to the job. What are you waiting for? You say you're single, but what are you doing? Are you getting your name out there? Are you going on some dates? What are you doing? You say you're called to be a minister, but are you going to seminary? Are you joining CLA? Calvary Leadership Academy. Are you getting prepared to show yourself approved for what God is calling you to do? Stop giving the excuse because he wants you to get up and walk. In Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, there's a guy with a broken hand. It's withered. It's the, it's the Sabbath, too. It's a day off. And the people are in the synagogue. And this guy's sitting in the back seat of the synagogue. He's sitting in the back row, and he's just, he's just like this. And... And Jesus sees him, and Jesus says, come here. And the guy comes up because here's the thing. When you got a withered hand, you're limited in what you could do, and your hands were used for the labor you were supposed to do. And this guy on the day off has had days off for a very long time. And while the Pharisees were criticizing him because he was about to do something on everyone's day off, that day that guy was going to go back to work. Because Jesus said, stretch out thy hand. And all of a sudden, the hand that was withered, the hand that was broken, it began to stretch. And it began to stretch. And it began to stretch. And it began to stretch until it opened itself up. And God wants to tell some people today that you've held your hand back. And you've been withered in so many ways. And God wants you to stretch out that hand. And he wants to give unto you. Press down. Shake it together. Running over. But you got to be able to let go. You can't receive with hands that are closed. You can only receive with a hand that's stretched out to receive. And sometimes we hold on to that withered thing in our hearts. We hold on to that withered thing in our life. And God is saying, I want you to stretch. He didn't even say, he didn't even say I, want you to I want you to pull it out. He said, I want you to stretch it out. Have you ever stretched? Stretching sometimes pulls some ligaments and some muscles on you that you're not, you weren't ready to use. But God is ready to tell this church, stretch. Stretch. It may hurt at first, but you're going to use it. Stretch, because I'm going to use it for my glory. Somebody help me in this place. There was a woman that was hunchback. She was, she was hunched over. In fact, the Bible tells us in the NLT version 
that she was bent over double. I mean, she was bent over double. And, and, and she was walking her whole life. The Bible says for 18 years she was walking down with her head down and hunched over double. And, and I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but you may not be hunched back, but you may be looking at everything that the people are throwing at you instead of looking at God up in heaven and sh him showing you the promises he has for you. And the Bible says that Jesus saw her infirmity and he said to her, woman, thou art loosed. And the woman that was hunched over double all of a sudden started to straighten up and she was able to change her perspective. I want to tell some people today that God is restoring your posture. But Pastor Manny, my back is just fine. I'm not talking about your physical situation. I'm talking about your spiritual posture. God wants to restore your spiritual posture. You look at everything that the enemy throws at you. You look at everything that's going on in your life. You're looking down at everything that's going on. But it's not until he, ch he changes your perspective that you could walk looking at what's coming up next. I'll put it to you this way. I run sometimes. I, I don't have the body of a runner, but I like to jog just for personal therapy. Don't judge me. But a, a good runner told me once, when you run, never look down at your feet. Because within time, you're going to grow tired. Because all you're looking at is the work you're doing. He says, when you run, look at the horizon. Because the more you look forward, the further you go. And there's people that are getting tired because you're looking at your work. And God is saying, I want you to change your posture and look at your future. I wish I had a church in this place. Change your posture. God wants to heal you and restore your posture so that you can see everything that he's going to put right in front of you. Amen? I got a couple more. Is that okay with everybody? There was, there was a dwarfed man. There was a dwarfed man in the city. And he heard that Jesus was coming. And he, since he heard that Jesus was coming, he went and he ran all the way up to a tree. He ran up to the sycamore tree. He got up on this tree so that he could watch Jesus preach. See, he, he, he knew he didn't have the height requirement, but he, he got up on this tree called pride. Because he knew his physical situation would limit him. So he got himself on a tree. And when he got himself on the tree, after Jesus finished his sermon and finished his preaching, Jesus said, uh, Zacchaeus, I need you to come off that tree. There's some people here that have a dwarf's character that you've gotten up on a whole lot of sycamore trees trying to work your way up. And God is saying, it won't be with your work, it's going to be with my grace. And Jesus has come here today to restore you and tell you, I need you to come down. And not only come down, I need to go to your house. You see, see Zacchaeus, he was, he was real good at Ponzi schemes. <laughs> he was stealing taxes from the people. Is this too much for everybody on, on Big Sunday or is this okay? He, he had a situation. You see, I think sometimes we teach these things as God wants to heal everybody. I do believe Jesus is a healer. I do Jesus wants to heal everybody. But sometimes he has to heal you with a purpose. And this man needed to be restored with a purpose. He tells him to come off the sycamore tree, sycamore tree. He goes to his house and the relationship was so good that he gave four times back to the people he stole from.
That's what a relationship with Jesus will do. In fact, people call Jesus a friend of sinners because he was with this Ponzi scheme person named Zacchaeus. Jesus today wants you to come off this small mentality and this small character that you've walked in. You see, you say you're, you're, you're saved, you say that you love Jesus, but now it's time to come up like Ephesians says, up to the full measure of Christ. And that takes maturing. That takes walking in responsibility. You see, you may say you're a man, but you're not a man until you take responsibility. You may say you're a woman, but you're not a woman until you take responsibility. It's not about what gender you are. It's about the responsibility you take. And it's not until you take responsibility that you become Christ-like. Somebody help me in this place. I feel like it just got real quiet. Is this too strong? Is this too strong? It's the word of God. <laughs> Last one. I'm finishing. Eczema. Eczema. Somebody say eczema. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. We see a guy that had a skin condition. And he was a leper. He was a leper and he comes up to Jesus and, and he says, Lord, if you're willing, I want you to clean me. And if you know the story about people with leprosy, they, they were casted out from community because of their skin condition. Because it was contagious. And, and he comes walking up to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, Jesus, I want to be, be, be clean. And what I love about what Jesus does, Jesus uh, went up to me, touches him. Jesus is not afraid of whatever you're dealing with. He'll touch whatever you're dealing with. And not only does he touch him, he says, I am willing. See, see sometimes we say, God, if you're willing, can you do this for me? And God is saying, I am willing. I do want to touch those areas in your life that are falling apart. I want to touch those areas in your life that people have outcasted you because of what you're dealing with. People have out because they see your physical appearance and what has happened with you. But Jesus is willing to touch those areas. And he is willing to help restore those areas so that you can become whole and that your skin may become like that of a baby. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore those areas of your life. And then lastly, there's one more, the eunuch. And this is going to require people that can think PG-13. Because one of the requirements of being a priest was that the person had to be productive in their reproductive system. And they couldn't have any, any kind of deficiency in that area. Because the Levites had to continue from generation to generation. And because if a person had a defect in the reproductive system, they were not allowed to be in the presence of God. And it sounds very private, doesn't it? In fact, it makes us a little uncomfortable hearing it. In fact, but it, don't we feel the same way when we go for a physical at the doctor? And it's time for that moment for them to not only look at our public situations, but also deal with our private ones. Can I tell you today, friend, neighbor, person that is here, Jesus doesn't just want to deal with your public situations. De Jesus wants to deal with your private ones. And we all have them. We all have them. Sometimes we'll look at starting point and be like, oh, yes, oh, yes. She really needed Jesus. Oh, she needed Jesus. Oh, he really needed Jesus. We all need Jesus. Some situations are public. You can see that they're living in sin. But there's a lot of situations that are private that nobody will ever see. And Jesus didn't just die for our public ones. Jesus died for our private ones. 
He died for our private ones. And, and you may say, well, I've looked in the Gospels and I don't see where Jesus dealt with it. You are completely right. There was not a situation where Jesus dealt with a eunuch, but Jesus did deal with private situations. You can look at the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He waited for the crowds to leave to then tell her, my love, go and sin no more. There was a woman at a well, and he waited for all the women to leave to then tell her, you don't have to thirst anymore. In fact, you don't have to live thirsty. Stop being so thirsty. I will quench your thirst. In fact, I know that the five men you have are not yours, and the one you're with is not yours. But I've come to be that seventh man. Jesus dealt with situations privately, but not with a eunuch. But the Holy Spirit did. See, in Acts chapter 8, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip and says, I need you to go out to the desert. Oh, it was in the desert where they received the law. I need you to find this Ethiopian man that he's a, of high rank and high position in Ethiopia. He's reading. He was reading out of the book of Isaiah. We know that he's a prominent man because he's reading. And not only do we know that he's a prominent man because he's reading, we know he's a prominent man because he has a car. He's on the side of the road. He has a chariot. He's sitting in his chariot reading out of the book of Isaiah. And here comes Philip led by the Holy Spirit to disciple him. He's a eunuch. He's a man with no reproductive system. And Philip now begins to disciple him. And then the man asks Philip, what impedes me from being water baptized right now? And the last piece of the requirements that were in Leviticus are fulfilled through the Holy Spirit, through Philip. So that now baptize and bring this man into the kingdom of God. Because there was a little pond of water. He's put into the pond of water. He's baptized and he becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus knows your situation. And Jesus came specifically to deal with every requirement that the law had. You see, the law was just a shadow of what Jesus would become. And Jesus not only came to fulfill the requirement, he didn't just come to give us access, but Jesus came to restore that that was broken. He came to restore that that men had rejected to give us access into him. So today we can recognize that we'll never meet the height requirement in our own ability. However, in Christ, you and I qualify. When those thoughts of inadequacy come, when those thoughts of rejection come, be reminded you can be confident in your trust in Jesus. He loves you. He's with you. And he wants to restore you in the name of Jesus. I finished with this verse in which we had just read, but I want, I want you to make it your verse this week. We are confident of all the things because of the great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is the covenant not written of law, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. In Christ, you, 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 and even you that are watching online, we're accepted, we're loved. He wants us and he wants to restore you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody praise break in this place?
thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.